Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We praise Him because of who He is. We praise Him because He is pleased when we praise him. We praise him because he is blessed when we praise him. And praising the Lord and ministering to the Lord is not a time of asking from the Lord. I got to tell you, in all honesty, this is the area of which I am most guilty in my spiritual life. I hate it when I'm being vulnerable. Truthful, very truthful, painfully truthful. But the time in which I just sit down and just worship God without asking him for anything. There's so many things going on in ministry and so many things I have to do and so many prayer requests. And I got a stack of prayer requests like this and I take them all and put them on a list. And I got a running list this thick of prayer requests from people, and I pull them out and I pray, and I'm asking the Lord, asking the Lord, asking the Lord, asking the Lord for you and for me and for the church and for the ministry and for the building and for all of these things, but I'm most guilty that I don't just sit down and say, God, you are awesome. God, you are great. God, you are mighty. God, you are awesome, God. God, you are a great and awesome and mighty God, and Lord, I'm just worshiping you now for who you are, not for what you can do. Lord, I'm praising you and giving you glory and ministering to you, not for what I need, but for God, for who you are. I don't do that enough. And I think that we would all would say, we don't do that enough. Don't raise your hand and don't say amen. I didn't think you would. Uh, But you understand. Praising and worshiping God is good. And can I tell you something? People tell me from time to time, they'll say, well, you know, I have my prayer time on the, on the drive to work in the morning. They'll say, well, you know, I have my devotion time when I'm driving to work in the morning. Listen, that's good. We're, we're to pray without ceasing. Pray and talk to the Lord. But saints, can, can I help you? Can I help you? Is it all right? Let me, let me help you with something. You cannot minister to the Lord on the 440. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you can't minister to the Lord. I ain't buying that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You can't minister to God on the 440. I mean, you out there, minister, oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Idiot. And all that is within me, fool. Bless his holy name. Get out of my way. Come on, man. You can't bless God like that. Come on now. Oh, I just had my prayer time on the way to work. No. 
No, you understand what I'm saying. You need a quiet time where you just got to get alone with God and you just sit down and you just, you and God, and you just say, Lord, I'm just telling you, God, who you are. And I'm telling you, Lord, how great you are because you're great. Because God is great, saints. Listen, God is great. Great, great. God's great. Yeah, God is great. What does great mean? Great. (laughs) Great means great. There's the Greek for you. Great means great. God is great. Great. And the Bible says, and greatly to be praised. And we should take the time to minister to him that way. To just tell him. It's nice to just get up in his lap sometime and tell him. Don't you want that from your kids from time to time? Isn't it nice when your kids come, uh, come in the room and they just sit down and they just cozy up to you. And, you know, in, in those rare moments where they don't want anything. And they, they just kind of cozy and they just... Snuggle up. Hi, Dad. Yeah, how you doing? Good. How you doing today, Dad? I'm great. Awesome. And you're thinking in your mind, how much is this going to cost me? (laughs) Oh, I'm just great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, well, how was your day, Dad? You know, my day was was great. I mean, it was wonderful. And you're still thinking, how much is this going to cost me? The price is going up. But isn't it nice when they just come just to say, Dad, I love you. Dad, I care for you. Dad, you're awesome. Dad, you're great. What, sweetie? You don't want anything? Nope. Just want to tell you, Dad, I love you and thank you. I know it's rare. (laughs) Y'all should do it more. I don't care how old you are, but it's nice. That's ministering to your dad. And that's what the Bible says is ministering to the Lord. You understand? Say amen. Amen. Where you're just simply telling God how much you love him. That's what they did. And notice they not only ministered to the Lord in verse 2, but they also noticed they did what, saints? They fasted. Did you see that? They fasted. Now, listen, here at Calvary Chapel, we're not going to take the time this morning, but we've done a lot of teaching on fasting. And I would encourage you, if you're interested, Isaiah 58, and and you can um, order that, I think, of all my teachings on fasting. That's probably the best one and uh, most succinct about a fasting. But if you're interested, pick that up or order it in the bookstore, Isaiah chapter 58. We've done a lot of teaching, but, but, but the one thing I want to say about fasting is that we should never fast to get from God. Amen, saints? Never fast to get from God. You know, people do fast to get from God. You know, Lord, I'm not eating till you give me what I want. (laughs) Folks do that. Lord, I'm not, you know, it's almost like fasting to hold God hostage. That's not what you do. You know, it reminds me of a story, perhaps I've read it here at Calvary Chapel, there's a story of this five-year-old boy who's living in the barrio in East L.A. And he really wanted a bike, so, but his mom and dad couldn't afford it. Now, they live in a small apartment, and in the apartment, they have this small altar set up in their, in their apartment with candles and pictures of re- religious things and a statue of Mary. And so the little boy prayed, and he said, Oh, God, please, on my birthday, would you bring me a bike? Everyone has one. Could I have one, too? Well, his birthday came, and his birthday went, and no bike. Well, Christmas comes around and he goes to the family altar and he says, Hail Mary. And and he says, God, I really want a bike. He says, could I have one for Christmas, please? He says, everybody has one. And Christmas came and Christmas went and no bike. 
And once again, he went before the family altar. He lit the candles and he suddenly reached up and he grabbed the statue of Mary and he ran out of sight. And he took it and he hid it in the drawer in his bedroom under his shirt. And he comes back to the altar and he says, now, God, if you ever want to see your mother again. (laughs) Holding God hostage. There are people who hold God hostage when it comes to fasting. You know, well, God, I'm not going to eat until you give me what I want. Holding God hostage. Or some people hold God hostage when it comes to giving. Well, God, I'm going to give you this, and I expect you to give me some 30, 60, 100 fold. Holding God hostage. Listen, saints, you cannot force God to do anything. Here is Christianity 101. God is God, and you are not him. Amen. You can't force him to do anything. You can't put him in a headlock and noogie-noogie him until he gives in. God is God, and God is in control. So pick up that CD on fasting. I don't want to talk too much about it because I got to move on. But, but pick, up on, pick up that CD, and you, you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll find some interesting things. Look at verse 2. It says, as they ministered to the Lord. Now, I want you to notice this here. As they ministered to the Lord and were giving thanks, they're praising and worshiping the Lord. They're seeking his face. Notice it was at that juncture. At that moment that the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, because I have something for them to do. So now they aren't going to minister not just to the Lord, but now they're going to minister for the Lord. Interesting thing here. It's five chapters and 14 years since Saul has been saved. And these guys are not new Christians. These guys are well-known in the church. They're not young believers. They're seasoned saints 14 years later. And yet, note this, God is just sending them into the ministry. What does that tell us? God is never underscore bold, never in a hurry. God always takes his time. Never in a hurry. So notice, as they fasted and they prayed, they laid hands on them. Now, I want you to notice three things in verse three. Notice they prayed for them, they partnered with them, and they parted from them. You see that in verse three? They prayed for them, partnered with them, and they parted from them. Notice they fasted and prayed, first of all, they prayed for them. And then secondly, they partnered with them, they laid hands on them. Now, this is important because later on in the book of Acts, you're going to see that they're laying hands on people and they're imparting the Holy Spirit. But here, they're not imparting anything. They're just recognizing the call of God upon their lives. And they're saying amen to what God is doing in their lives. But I think it's important to notice, if you will, the submission on Saul, Paul, and Barnabas' part. Their submission to the leadership and to the structure of the church. Saints, listen, if you are planning to go into ministry or you're planning to plant a church or you're planning to go into missions, saints, listen, don't ever, 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 this is very important, don't ever do that apart from leadership and structure and headship. You know, so many people I've heard them say, you know, I'm going into ministry. Really? Who, who, who's sending you? Uh, nobody. This is just what God is showing me. 
Or I'm going into missions. Well, well, well who's your covering? Who, who's sending you? I mean, do you have any covering or whatever? No, no, no. We, you know what? God's sending me and that's all I need. Listen, God can be sending you, but God is also a God of order. God also does things in order. And God wants his people to function in this thing called order. I've told you many times that when I was out in California and I was in a, in a church and I went to my pastor and I said to him, I said, I want to, I feel like God is telling me to move to North Carolina to start a church. Do you know, and I've told you this, if my pastor would have said to me at that moment, I don't think that's of the Lord, I would not be here today. Now, do I think that if my pastor would have told me that that wasn't of the Lord and I wasn't here, do I think that I would have been missing God's call in my life? No, because I trust the Lord and I trust the fact that God will speak to my pastor as it relates to me and the call of God on my life. And if he were to say no and God was saying yes, then I trust God to touch his heart to tell him, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying yes, so that he could come and help me to be led in the the plan and the purpose of God. So I trust the Lord ultimately. I'm not worried about what my pastor or what my leadership even thinks. I'm trusting the Lord as the God sending me and God leading me and God touching the hearts of my leadership, how important it is. And it's amazing to me how we see order in all kinds of places in the world. In the corporate world, you see order. Even in the cosmos, you see order. There's four seasons. There's winter, summer. Well, not in that order. There's... What is it? It's winter, spring, summer, and fall. That's what I said. And there is order. You know, I was telling my son just the other day, I said to him, I said, you know, God is a God of order. And, and, and the seasons come and the seasons go and they come in order. They come in order. Now, that's not all the time true in North Carolina, but generally, you know what they say, if you don't like the weather here, wait five minutes, it'll change. That happened yesterday. Did you notice it was like a bad storm yesterday? And it was like two seconds later, it went from this awful, ugly, nasty storm. Were y'all alive? Did, it, did y'all see? Yeah, okay. And, and it was this awful, ugly, nasty storm. And then the sun was bright. It's like, I can see clearly now. It's, it's like, what had happened there? But God is a God of order. And God is a God of order also, saints, in the church. God is a God of order, and when you get outside of God's order, even in the church, listen, danger, Will Robinson. Danger. They ought to bring Lost in Space back, shouldn't they? It was off the hook, man. Lost in Space was the man. the show. But we get out of order. See, God is a God of order. And so these guys, as they were sending them out in the ministry, they, number one, prayed for them. They, secondly, partnered with them. They're sending and releasing and acknowledged by the leadership. So important not to be a lone ranger. And then finally, they parted from them. They sent them out. Look at verse 4. If you're there, say amen. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now, when they had gone in verse six through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer. He was a prophet. He was Jewish. And his name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, 
And this guy was an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Eliamus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, so Bar-Jesus, his name is translated, withstood them, Saul and Barnabas, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. And then Saul, who is also called, who saints? Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil. Man, lighten up, Paul. Goodness gracious, man. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not seek to pervert the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed, in verse 11, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun, note this, for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And then the proconsul believed, and when he saw what had been done, being astonished, at the teaching of the word. Stop right there. Give me your attention. The Bible says being sent out by who saints in verse 4? The Holy Spirit. You see that? They went to Seleucia, which is about 16 to 20 miles north of Antioch. And from there they went to Cyprus, which is another 60 miles. And you might remember in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. As Jesus was standing there in his resurrected body with the nail pierced hands. And remember, he told the disciples, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you be endued by the Holy Spirit. And then he gave the kind of map as to how the gospel was going to be spread. First of all, in Jerusalem. And if you've been with us in our teachings, you've seen that in Jerusalem. That happened. And then the gospel went to Judea and that happened. And then the gospel went to Samaria and that happened. And now we see the gospel goes to the uttermost parts of the earth. Saints, it's 20 years after Jesus made that statement. Again, God is never in a hurry. Here we have 20 years later, and God's plan is coming to fruition. So the Bible says, being sent out by the Holy Spirit. I find it interesting that they were sent out by the Holy Spirit, and there is no mention of fundraising. (laughs) What? No, no mention of fundraising. No mention of money. There is no mention of... I can't go until I've raised a certain dollar amount. How often I've heard that. Well, you know, I'm supposed to go in the mission field and I can go in the field, but I've got to raise a certain amount of support. Nothing like that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is doing the work and the Holy Spirit is sending them. So the Lord said, go. And they decided to go. Did you note that? To Cyprus. Why did they go to Cyprus? We don't know why they went to Cyprus. It could be that they were thinking, hey, you know, the church has released us. The spirit of God is sending us. Where do we go? Maybe Barnabas said, hey, well, let's go to Cyprus. I mean, that's where I'm from. And Cyprus is a really dark and evil city. It could have been something as simple as that. But they go to Cyprus. Verse 6 tells us when they got to Paphos, they found a sorcerer, a false prophet, whom they called Eliamus. His real name was Bar-Jesus. In Hebrew, Bar always means son, son. So he was a son. His name was meant son of Jesus. Of course, I think Luke couldn't stand to call him that. So Luke says, hey, I'll tell you his name. It's Elimus. Don't even call him a son of Jesus. He's not a son of Jesus. He's a sorcerer. He's an evil man. 
Well, this guy, Sergius Paulus, wanted to hear the gospel according to the scriptures, but Elias the sorcerer tried to keep the governor from the faith, trying to frustrate the ministry. And then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, you are full of deceit and you are the son of the devil. Now, let me tell you something if you're taking notes. I got to talk quickly here. Saul means requested one. Paul means little. Isn't it interesting that here we have many years later of ministry, 14 years later in Saul, Paul's ministry, and he goes from the name requested one to little. You know, saints, that's how it works, by the way. The longer you walk with Jesus and the more you walk with the Lord, you go from thinking in your own estimation of yourself that you are the requested one to, you know what, I'm little. I'm just little. You know, some people think they're all that in a bag of chips. When in fact, they're not even a bag of chips. Amen. You know, people go around, you know, I'm the requested one. Oh, yes, I'm the requested one. You know, the longer you've been walking with Jesus, the more you start to realize, I'm not the requested one. I'm just little. I am just little. I'm humble before God. Not requested, but little. So they are in this city, which is spiritually dark, and the light of Jesus shines in a beautiful way. And the governor wants to hear about Jesus, and this knucklehead is running around, giving him a hard time. And Paul looks around, and he looks at this guy. Notice the Bible says in verse 9 that Paul looked at him intently. Don't you wonder what that look was like? I wonder if he was like, he looked at him intently. What would you give for the CD of that? those words. He looked at him and said, you son of the devil, deceitful, unrighteous man. You see, Saul had a temper. I mean, Saul had a real temper. You know, you remember when Jesus said, you know, if somebody slaps you on the face, then turn the other cheek. Saul never read that. <laughs> he never read that. He, he you know, he, he, he never read that. I mean, he, you know, as a matter of fact, as you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that, 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 that this guy actually slaps him. One of the governors, they actually slapped him. And, and Paul looked at him and said, I'll slap you, you whitewashed tomb. Now, in those days, calling somebody a whitewashed tomb was bad. I mean, you know, it was like, you know, that was like the worst insult, the worst insult ever. Paul says, I'll slap you. You might remember in 2 Timothy, he's there preaching and he's pouring his heart out. He says, I'm ready to be poured out. I'm ready to be offered up. I fought the good fight. He says, I finished the course. He says, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which God is going to give me. And then he says, he says, I want you to bring my Bible while I'm in prison. I want to read it. He's writing his prison epistle and And he says, get Mark. And he's pouring his heart out. He says, Mark is useful for the ministry. He says, I'm cold and bring my cloak. And it's a very touching moment in 2 Timothy. And right at the end of that, he says, and Alexander the coppersmith, God is going to burn him up. (laughs) This guy is a temper. And he looks at this guy because he's frustrating the ministry. Now, in closing in verse 12, I want you to notice this. We can't close without seeing this. The miracle of the blinding of Eliamus. Did you see that? It didn't cause, now watch this, it didn't cause Sergius Paulus to be saved. It wasn't the miracle that caused him to be saved. It was the teaching of the word that caused him to be saved. Did you look at that in verse 12? Look at it again. And being astonished at the, what saints? Teaching of the Lord. 
or the teaching of the word. Now, I'm confident the miracle had some influence on him. But what astonished him and what shook him was the teaching of the word. It wasn't the teaching about religion. It wasn't a Methodist teaching or a Baptist teaching or a Pentecostal teaching or a Calvary Chapel teaching. It was the teaching of the word of God that caused him to believe, not the miracle. And people say to me here all the time, Pastor Rodney, how do people get saved here? I mean, you don't do an altar call at the church and you never do an altar call. And how do people get saved? And I tell them, well, people get saved because the Holy Spirit saves them. Amen. And people get saved because God's word is quick and living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. People get saved today like they've gotten saved throughout all of church history because the word of God is effective and powerful. And so we don't have to have an altar call for people to get saved. People get saved because of the teaching of the word of God. I mean, think about this. If I can mobilize this number of people in teaching you the word of God and you can go out and share the word of God with people, then that to me, my friend, is evangelism. That's revival because of God's word being taught and shared and it's powerful and it's effective. And when God's word is taught, it's an amazing thing how unbelievers, they go away from church and they understand it. And they say, now that was meaningful. That is something that touched my heart. And they get saved. So God's word, the teaching of God's word, don't forget this, is effective and powerful. And if we are faithful to share God's word, God is faithful to use his word to bring many, many people to salvation. Amen, saints? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.